Welcome, Bears fans, to another edition of Bears Scat. I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. And we're two jamokes who hope you actually did watch the game this week. <laughs> it's a positive introduction to the podcast. I think that's the first time in Bears Scat history. Probably. Um, follow us on Twitter, at Bears underscore Scat. And, yeah, we've got a good Bears game to talk about. What? Which I think is a first. There was, like, so few complaints this week. I know. Like, that's one of the things that I want to talk about. It's I have, I have almost no negative things to say. And <laughs> it, was a, it was a game that I really thought the Bears had no chance to win going in. Yeah, I wasn't feeling too I confident. Mean, g- going into Foxborough on Monday night, it, it was a really tough spot for them. And not only did they win, but they kind of dominated the game. They dominated. And they dominated in all three phases, which... Yeah. I can't remember the last time we can really say that about a Bears game that wasn't like some like there were no no caveats to it. It wasn't against a team that was out of it and playing out the string. Right. It wasn't like the defense got five turnovers and the team won sixteen to ten. <laughs> like it wasn't Shay McClellan Blake breaking Aaron Rodgers collarbone and the Bears <laughs> beating a backup court. Like it was just an all around really good win against it was a. a you know, it's not a, a gr- decent team. Not a great Patriots team, but they've been playing really well, and it was a game that they kind of needed, the yeah. Patriots, and it was a game that they were playing at home, and the Bears walking in there and kind of... On national television. Exactly, on Monday Night Football. I mean, the last Bears primetime game of the year. Yeah. And walking in there and just kicking their ass, it, it kind of, for me, changes the conversation a little bit for the rest of the year, not necessarily saying that it's going to take the Bears and turn them into, like, this is the turning point and they're going to the playoffs. <laughs> like, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I, no. I still don't think they're a very good team, but right. I was dreading watching that game <laughs> because I thought the Bears had no chance and I thought it was going to be another national embarrassment, but... I did think that the, that the team would play better than they had in the previous game against Washington, but really... Any level would have been better than that. So. Yeah, exactly. It would have been tough to play worse. But I really didn't think the Bears had a performance like that in them this year. So knowing that they do, I think it makes every game from here on out a little bit more interesting. Just because if they play like that, and specifically if Fields plays like that, they've got a shot against pretty much anybody. It's not saying they're going to beat everybody, but... Right. If they have that level of performance in them against the Patriots, they can upset a few more teams. And I think when we think about what our expectations were for this year, that's exciting. Well, at the beginning of the season, uh, I said to you, you know, I, I felt like this team would be would win some games that they weren't supposed to, and lose some games, that and they lose were. some games that they should win. Yeah, exactly. And you know, uh, they're they're kind of fo- they're kind of following that. I mean, the first one was certainly a shock. Whether or not um still beating San Francisco in week 1 was a shock around the league. Absolutely. Um now at that time, they didn't know that <laughs> San Francisco would severely underperform this year. <laughs> Um, which really raises a lot of questions about that organization. Mm-hmm. But that's another show. Uh, however, uh, I felt like uh, up to this point, the team was uh, was doing some good things. They just 
couldn't seem to put them together. For sure. And, you know, the Washington game, it just seemed like the wheels came completely off. And I just, I felt disappointed after that game. Not even angry. I was just disappointed because it was like, guys, come on. You you know you're better than that. You know? <laughs> so, so, but that, obviously that mini buy, which, which, it, which was interesting. The other day I was reading some comments from Floos and he actually referred to, he's, he said, during the buy. <laughs> it's as close to a buy as you can get. Right. Thursday to Monday. So I thought that was kind of funny. But, um, you know, obviously uh, that came at just the right time and really gave them some, not only uh, some organizational feel as far as uh, from from the from the top of the organization down, uh, but a little juice. Yeah, I, I think that they self-scouted. I think that they made some adjustments. I think that they probably took a little bit of extra time to emphasize the things, the, the few things that they know the team can do well. Yeah. And I think they put together a really good game plan. And, I mean, just really nice job by this coaching staff. Because I was thinking about this last year, I made a comment to the effect of the more time you get, the more time you give Matt Nagy, the worse things get. <laughs> if, if you remember, he could never do, he never did well off the bye. Anytime the Bears got extra time to prepare, that's right. It always just came out and looked horrible. It was the opposite with this, and I think that's really encouraging when we're trying to evaluate this coaching staff still because. Going into this Patriots game, I don't really think we had... I personally didn't have strong feelings on Eberflus or his staff just because the team didn't look good, but you didn't know if that was a product of coaching or just because there was such a limit of talent on the roster. But I think the fact that... Apologies, we have some technical difficulties here. <laughs> I, I, I just I was really, really encouraged by that performance from the coaching staff, especially the offensive game plan. Because I thought that they started off the game doing what we talked about, which is just getting some easy plays that got the offense in a rhythm. At the first pat, the first drive of the game, they had that little rollout to Mooney where they kind of split the field in half. They schemed Mooney open. It went for 10 yards and a first down. Next play of the game was a similar type of play to St. Brown. And that's the kind of things we're talking about where if you get some of those simple plays early in the game it builds confidence it builds a rhythm and it sets you up for success and I I think that kind of was proven out in the game I mean that was by far the best offensive performance the Bears have had this year easily um probably not just this year in a long time (laughs) so uh agreed on all uh they just felt uh it felt more structured it felt like um okay we're not letting the game dictate to us. We are dictating to the game. And it was certainly the opposite of that against Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of been that for most of the games this year. Uh, I saw a lot of talk about um, uh, about how, you know, Fields, uh, well, you know, they, they have been getting him out of the pocket before now. 
How many times though on purpose? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Because because it, it to me it's been a whole lot of running for his life, not not designed runs. Yeah. And it certainly felt different this week. Yeah, it, it looked like that they were really emphasizing that portion of his talent, it, getting him on the move, getting the pocket moved. The protection was actually pretty decent pretty good. for a lot of the game and also running route combinations that were designed to get receivers open in the place that he was supposed to be looking. Yes. <laughs> These sound like basic things, but <laughs> well, uh, you know, it, with uh, we've talked many times about how new the team is, how young the team is, and you know the team is new from top to bottom. Um, it, it would to me this was the first game that really, uh, like you said, it performed well in all three phases, and it felt like they went out there with a purpose mm-hmm. and they played cohesively and. Um, I saw Eberflus after the game, and he was like, you know what, uh, what I saw out there was each player individually trying to play well, but looking out for the player next to him. Yeah. And I kind of felt like that's what we saw. I, I Yeah, I, it, it was just a great team win all around. All, all of the important pieces played well. Um, you know, Obviously, I think Fields had his best game as a pro. Braxton Jones had a good game. Yeah. Um, Mooney was involved. We'll get to the defense in a minute. Like on field specifically, um, I, I mean, I, there was some legit. There were some legit plays to get excited about. Yeah, the, definitely. The, there were the scripted plays, and you need those. But some of the, like so, some of the the plays where he was improvising a little bit, that was elite stuff. I mean, the the touchdown to Herbert. Where he, he he recognized that the Patriots were sending the house. He cha- he changed the play. There was the free runner. He kind of pump faked him, got the guy off his feet, and then threw the sidearm pass to Herbert that went for the touchdown. I mean, that's Pat Mahomes stuff. Yeah, and, it, it really is. And it was so funny because when they showed that from the uh, when they showed the replay from behind center, it was like. Hole, yeah. <laughs> giant hole, <laughs> yes. and it was, and he just totally he saw the vision was there, and, and he took his time with it. He, he had the presence of mind to fake out the defender because if he get if he lets that ball go right away, the ball's getting knocked down, and nobody really thinks anything of it. Even it's just another play where the Bears let a free runner knock the ball down. Right, happens right. all the time with this team, but just the improvisation and then hitting Herbert the way he did, and then. The blocking too. I mean, it was a great block down the field by Braxton Jones. That was that was a great play. The other really nice play was the scramble. Huge block by Braxton. <laughs> he he left that guy in the stands. Yeah, he not. I mean, <laughs> Braxton Jones. I mean, has quietly had a couple of really nice games. So if he's turning into the future left tackle, then that's a really great find by polls in the draft. That's a coup that can't be. They can't be estimated high enough. No, exactly. I mean, if they were able to find a left tackle there that can actually develop into a better than serviceable pro, then great job on that. Considering he was playing his seventh game (laughs) after being out of Southern Utah, I think he's doing okay. And he's, he's getting rated out really well, too. So nothing but good things to say about him. Uh... 
I mean, the line in general, uh, Borum had a rough day against Judon. Yep. We said that was probably going to happen. Matthew yep. Judon's one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. Yep. And he's having a great year. Yeah, he's leading the Not league just in sacks. against Chicago, he's having a great year, period. Yeah, leading the league in sacks. Borum, you know, he's okay, I think. It's, it, he, he was definitely the weak spot on the line. I would expect Borum to probably be replaced next year. <laughs> I, I, I yeah. agree. It, uh, that's the thing with this team is when guys like that struggle, it's like, all right, they're not a part of the plan anyway, most yeah. likely. But Jones played well at left tackle. Jenkins is still playing really well at right guard. Definitely. So I think that's a I think that's a solid piece. It, it's really interesting too because based on everything we saw in the offseason, it kind of felt like they weren't really considering Tevin Jenkins as part of the plan. So the fact that he's coming in and playing actually really well at right guard and kind of actually looks like he might be a steady building block there I mean that's that's an interesting win because it didn't seem like the front office was really really believed that was possible in camp so credit to him for proving them wrong and for playing some really good football so far and you know even though uh Poles has gone out of his way to quote unquote include the fans Mm -hmm. right um, I, there's some subterfuge there too. And I think that Jenkins is one of the pieces that's there because, you know, one of the, we heard rumors about, um, immaturity, right? Yep. Uh, not, uh, not being a team player because of that. Um, you know, these were some of the buzz that were, was going on and, you know, we don't know for sure. Uh, but that's certainly a possibility, and uh, we've talked a little bit about his days in college where there was some of that buzz too, right? So, you know, I, I definitely could have seen him as a player that had been like, no, I'm supposed to be playing here. You can't move me. Yeah. And them saying, uh, we not only can move you, but we are going to move you and you're going to do it and you're going to like it. And him, you know, well, I say no. You know, you could see that kind of thing happening. But when it comes right down to it, everybody likes to do good at their job. Yeah, exactly. And it's not like we're talking about a normal office job here. If Tevin Jenkins is good at his job, that means he's making millions of dollars. Right, and not only that, I mean... Everybody likes to be at work and being doing good, right? I mean, it may, it helps your day go better, right? You feel better about yourself. You feel better about the environment around you. You feel better about what you're doing. So if you know now they have him in this guard spot, and yeah, he's he's making himself noted, yeah. right? Well, you know that's got to feel good at some level. Absolutely, and it's got to. I mean, when somebody doesn't believe in you and you prove them wrong. Right. That, that, that's like the icing on the cake, right? <laughs> right. And, oh, the, the icing on the cake for him is when he's going to get his big payday if he continues to play this way at guard. But, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for him because I was excited when the Bears drafted him. And after a year, it looked like it was just going to be a complete zero for off-the-field reasons and yeah. injuries. And so the fact that both sides have salvaged it and it looks like that might actually be the Bears' right guard for the next six, seven, eight years, hopefully... That's pretty exciting. I mean, it, 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 if you think about what we were saying about this offensive line going into the year, yeah, if they've actually got two young pieces that they can build around, that's a lot better than I would have guessed six months ago. And, you know, this goes back to the narrative 
that Poles has been uh, talking about since he first took over, and that is building a core group of players, building through the draft, mm-hmm. growing our own guys. He, he keeps saying those things over and over again, and the fans still keep going back to the narrative about well, let's trade for this guy. Well, let's trade for this guy. Let's go get this guy. And it's like, how many times does he have to say it? You know, that's not the way he wants to do things. No. And he's been in charge for three months. Yeah. Give him a little bit of oh, maybe four now. So you know, give him some give him some leg room. You know, to you know, sit in the in the big chair and you know, do his thing because we. You said it right at the beginning of, of, of the cast today. We're still the same team, guys. Right. Okay, don't suddenly get these delusions of grandeur, right. right? We're still the same team that played the sloppiest game of the, of the season last week. Yeah, absolutely. And like like you said, this isn't the right time to be trading for guys. No! You know who's trading for... Like, look at the teams that are making trades right now. The Chiefs, the Eagles... These are teams that are contending for the Super Bowl this year. That's why they're trading their draft picks, because you only get so many shots at a Super Bowl, and sometimes it's worth mortgaging a little bit of your future upside. A la the Rams. For a shot this year. And why, like, people are like, oh, the Bears should go out, like, they should have been in on, or or they should be in on uh, the receiver from Houston, Cooks. It's like, why? Yeah. So they can win seven games this year instead of six? Like, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like, why would you trade a... Why would why would you be looking to trade second or third round picks this year? Even though, once we win seven games, we'll be happy guys! Yeah, exactly. And by the way, big, big win for... Or big win for our win total bet, right? I mean, we're a little under halfway to seven, so... <laughs> but, but yeah, exactly. I mean... You should be doing the opposite. You should be looking to accumulate draft picks here, which the Bears did this week with Robert Quinn. We'll talk about that in a minute. But it's not the time for trading away draft picks for star-wide receivers just yet. This is the way he has said he was going to do it, and I am really excited about it. Because what I see is us getting to the end of 2022 and having this team, a real team with a real core to it of guys that are all around the same similar ages, around the same similar dynamics with the same coaching staffs. No, not having to put Justin Fields through an offensive coordinator every freaking year. Uh, you know, some continuity. We Bears fans, ask yourselves... How much have you seen of continuity in the last decade? None. And, yeah, it's... I mean, that that was the thing. And that, that was one of the things I saw floating around Twitter after the win. It was like, well, wait until this coaching staff has real players. It's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, that's the point. This is, this is year one. Right. The, the hope is that some of the things that we're seeing and some of the concepts are enhanced when... You've been able to spend your hundred million hundred million dollars of salary cap room and go get through two or three successful years of good drafting. Yeah, it, and, I mean, it, they've already talked about that. It, we're going to have over double the next closest team. Yeah, exactly. They're going to. I mean, with the Quinn trade, they're going to have, I think, a projected hundred and fifteen million dollars. You can get a lot of good players with that type of money in the NFL. 
Not to mention that, you know, it's not just for 2023. Right. It's so that we don't end up like we did the last two seasons, you know, buried. Exactly. Uh, you know, that's the whole point. You know, we, the only thing that has been continuous uh, of on any level is the fact that Pace was in charge for seven years. That's really about it. And and Pace went all in on 2018 and we saw what happened. <laughs> he, he, he went all in. The problem was he got the quarterback wrong. Yeah. Like the Bears in 2018 and even 2019 had a Super Bowl roster. They just didn't have a quarterback. So that's yeah. kind of an important piece in <laughs> the NFL nowadays. So yeah. the hope is that you've got the quarterback and then you can take these resources that you've been accumulating and build around him. So Yeah, he guessed wrong. Yeah, really, really wrong. Like, <laughs> more wrong than anybody in the history of the NFL when you look at Mitch Trubisky <laughs> versus the players that were drafted after him at quarterback in that year. So I don't want to talk about Ryan Pace anymore, though. Um, <laughs> before, but before we move on, I mean, just going back to the game a little bit, I know we don't talk about the defense very much because the defense is kind of bad and they've got a lot of players that probably won't be here next year. But just shout out to the defense. I, I thought that they were a huge part of the Bears winning that game. We know the story of the year so far with the Bears defense is that they can't stop the run, but they came out and set the tone early that they weren't going to let the Patriots run the ball down their throat. They were more physical than the Patriots the entire game. They came up with big plays when they needed to. The young players on defense that matter all created turnovers. So really just overall really nice game for the Bears defense. And that's something we haven't been able to say so far yet. This yeah, year. I mean, at every level. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, uh, a really big uh, headline coming out of that was Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon both get interceptions uh, in their seventh game. Uh, I think that's pretty good. Um, Guys that uh, out there that have been super critical of of Gordon, uh, just to let you know, Jalen Johnson didn't have an interception in his first season. Yeah, that's true. Um, So, uh, you know, the point is, is that we needed to shore up the, the, the secondary. And... Poles chose to do that. He made the conscious decision. These are the best guys that are going to be available at this spot, and that's what I'm doing. I realize that the fans want a new, uh, a new shiny uh, sports car. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, guys. I- I'm I'm going uh, I'm going pickup truck. I-, <laughs> I need I need a utility, and that's what I'm going to get. Yeah. You know. And so you know that's what we ended up with, and that that's paying off. I mean, big time. Can you imagine if we had the same secondary as we did last year? No. And, and well, with Gordon, too, specifically, he had a rough start. But the last couple of games, teams haven't been able to pick on him as much. Not as much. I mean, the, the Patriots didn't really have any big plays in general other than the one long throw to Myers. But that wasn't Kylo Gordon's guy. That was just a busted coverage. So... Gordon has not gotten beaten badly over the last couple of games. Then, yeah, that interception was obviously exciting. So, definitely good for him that he's playing a little bit better. And I was dumb to be complaining about him after two or three games in the NFL anyway. <laughs> when he's literally a rookie coming from the Pac-12. Yeah. But exciting to see him. And then Brisker's just been awesome from day one. I mean, he got an interception two plays after getting kicked in the nuts. 
which by by the way, wow, how, how is that not a penalty? Uh, man, I I just I saw a new um, angle of that yeah. today, and it really looks very sketchy for sure. I mean. In baseball, you're not allowed to do that. That to- looked, I mean, that, the new angle I saw was like, wow, really? Yeah, like in what other sport are you allowed to go running around with your feet flailing like that? <laughs> like, you, are you, like is, isn't it a rule that you have to be in control of your body? And if it's not, then I hope Fields starts sliding like that. <laughs> maybe he'll actually stop getting blown up when he goes to slide. But, right. Yeah, I mean... That was, I mean, that was, just talk about a classic just Patriots thing. Right? Yeah. Like, of course it was them that do that. It, it was. You know, that. I mean, I, I was thinking about that, too, after the game. It was like, this was an extra delicious win. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? But anyway, I mean, yeah. And then, I mean, Roquan had a great put, game. Put some more butter on my hotcakes, please. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, um, uh, one of the things uh, I, I've got for you. Yeah. So... Jaquan Brisker, NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year. I don't. I mean, I don't know if he's gonna. The problem with that is, I mean, you kind of have to have a, a lot of wins for that to happen, right? Like, usually, I don't. I I haven't like studied that, but I, I'd imagine that most times awards go to teams that make the playoffs. But Brisker seems like he should. He's getting national coverage, and he's he's got what three interceptions already now? I think so, two or three. I mean, he's just gonna be a star. He, he's he's, just, he's got forced fumble. He's got a lot of tackles. Got some sacks. Does he have a touchdown yet? No, he is. He had some. He hasn't gone all the way to the house yet. I am going to but, look up the odds for this as we speak. So. <laughs> but uh, regardless, uh, he certainly is making a name for himself. Um, you and I both were hype on him after uh, he got drafted. Uh, you know, he was a serious. Uh, tackling machine and playmaker at Penn State. Um, he was uh, ranked by a lot of the talking heads as uh, the best pick by the uh, the Bears as far as value goes. Um, now we're seeing why. Yeah, Brisker, 18-1. to 1. Uh, Looks like there's seven guys ahead of him. So. so he's in the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a big favorite right now is Sauce Gardner. Oh. And he's really good. Yeah. Bears will see him in a couple weeks. but And he's playing for a team that is winning more. And is in New York, right? Yeah. So, like, but, I mean, that's not to say that Brisker is not one of the best defensive rookies. Absolutely. I mean, if you, if you look at some of the guys that are ahead of him, I mean, Devin Lloyd, Kayvon Thibodeau. Kayvon Thibodeau, big name. Yeah, Aiden Hutchinson, like... Big name. Yeah, these are guys that were picked at the top of the draft. Yeah. So, and Brisker, he he also just kind of plays box safety, right? I mean, that's just not as valuable as of it's a not a, certainly not a glamour position like top flight corner or pass rusher or you know pass crush crush the quarterback pass <laughs> rusher. So, I mean, obviously Brisker's become a fan favorite already. I've, there's like three or four guys at the bar that say that that's the next Bears jersey they're getting. I think you're going to see Briscoe jerseys all around Soldier Field for a long time. And, you know, one other guy that had a really nice game, too, is Roquan. I mean, a sack and an interception. He was beastly. Yeah, I don't, I should have brought this list, but it's a very, very select list of Bears players that have had, I think, multiple games where they've had a sack and an interception. Yeah. And, I mean, he played like 
the all pro linebacker that he wants to get paid like on Monday. Right. That was his best game of the year and he really made an impact. I mean, that sack was critical. The interception was on a deflection, but obviously right place, right time and he had a nice return on it too. So, good good job for him. I mean, just good, good job all around for everybody. Um good job. I mean, another player that I was going to highlight, but he's now been traded as Robert Quinn. Robert Quinn had his best game of the year, and then the Bears traded him. So, so okay, so, it, you know, that that makes sense to go into this. Um, I'm just going to be clear. I thought it was a good trade. Yeah. Um, I think it, for one thing, I feel like that that trade was respectful mm-hmm. to Robert Quinn himself. He just tra- They just traded him to one of the best teams in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, I mean... You, you, as a as a player, if you're going to get traded, I'm pretty sure that's a good deal. You know, oh, you're trading me to a Super Bowl contender. Oh, I hate that. You yeah. know, I don't think that's something you hear very often. Well, because Quinn was so vocal about not wanting to get traded. Yes, I I have no idea why that would be, <laughs> but <laughs> I, like you said, I mean, you can't complain about going to the number one team in the NFC and the last undefeated team in the NFL because he thought he was going to get traded in the off season right. to a garbage team, yeah, which happens a lot, yeah, for sure. Or like getting traded to a team that's like going to make the playoffs and everyone knows they've got no shot. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, they when somebody gets traded, especially at the age of thirty three. Um, you know, you want to go to a team that, oh my God, I might finally get to win a Super Bowl. So, um, you know, uh, good for him. Uh, I think that, uh, getting a fourth round pick was very solid. Um, of course, I'm just like everybody else. I would have liked to have been higher, but I have a, I have a, my, my hunch about Paul so far is that he's pretty shrewd. Yeah, exactly. I mean... You can't really nit, nitpick the return, right? I yeah. mean, like, the first of all, there's only 31 teams in the NFL. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, it, it's not like it would take that long once you have a trade offer to call every other team and say, hey, this is the offer. I'm going to trade Quinn. Do you want to make a better deal? Yeah. That would take, what, like a couple hours? <laughs> yeah. So, like, the people that complain about these trade returns, it's like, do you think they just take the first offer they get and run with it? No. Like, <laughs> of, of, like they, they took the best they could get right now. The other, the other one is, I, I don't think Poles is even checking on this guy. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, what do you know? What? what, what, what like the, the Bears, Where's your line of combo coming from? It's like the Bears have how many people that work in their front office? Like, what do you think they do all day? Yeah, <laughs> uh, this isn't. Poles has made it pretty clear that he's a very active dude. Yeah. I mean, at least that's the way he strikes me. First, they, they, they all are. They're, they're paid millions of dollars to <laughs> have a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to run an NFL team. Like, do you think they're just being lazy about it? Like, <laughs> of course they're trying to get the best deal. It's just right. sometimes. And, and, you know, so that was one of the things that came up, right? Yeah. Um, uh, specifically about Quinn is, you know, be, you know, why didn't they trade him before the season started? It's like... Um, because nobody made a deal that he thought was worth a crap? Right. Maybe it was just that. You know, I mean, it, you don't have to look at it like everything is some, you know, deeply layered thing. Right. It simply could be, no, I'm not just giving him away. So if you're calling me with stupid offers, don't call. Yeah, and the gamble kind of played off because if the best offer in the offseason was hypothetically a sixth round pick, now you get a fourth. Like, yeah. great, great work. 
But if you hang on to him because you think maybe in a couple weeks, whenever the trade deadline is, he'll be worth a third, you know, it could also happen in two weeks. He could be injured. Could be. So it's all a a game of risk a little bit where you kind of have to look and say, all right, we can get a fourth round pick today. Maybe we could do a little bit better in a couple weeks, but also he could be worth nothing in a couple weeks. So let's just take the fourth round pick. And people seem upset about that. And I can't really understand what you'd be upset about because it's not like Robert Quinn was even playing that well this year to begin with. Yeah, so he wasn't playing very well. Um, also, okay, so let's say let's say that we keep him for the whole year. To what end? Uh, you know, I, I mean, how many? He's not going to increase the win total for this season. Uh, he's certainly not going to be on the team next season. Uh, and we come to the off season, and he's worth even less than he was this year because now he has another year on him, so he's older, and he probably, you know, just to play out what would probably happen, he, he it's most likely he didn't have a it wouldn't have a great year this year, and then he affects next year's salary cap too. Yeah, so you know, it, it made sense all around. Uh, like I said, I thought it was pretty cool that, uh, you know, he's not going to, um, you know, some, uh, one of the lousier teams in the NFL. He's going to arguably the best team in the NFL, uh, at least the best team in the NFC. And, uh, you know, uh, he's got to feel good about that. I think so. And also it frees up space on the roster for other young players. And the Bears actually have defensive ends that you want to see out there. Young players that could be a part of the team going forward. I, I really like Travis Gibson. I really like Dominique Robinson. You want to see these guys play. Right. And giving away starter reps to Robert Quinn at this point in the franchise's competitive window just doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I, I saw some people reflecting on the on the lack of pack, pass rush, which is a problem, right? Um, Quinn wasn't, that affecting, wasn't affecting that at all. No, not at all. So... It, the only thing that's going to affect that is when we get to the off season, they're going to have to seriously look at that as far as free agency and and the draft. Uh, I mean, guys, we I know that everybody wants a sleek new wide receiver. Yes, we need one, probably two, maybe even three. But you know what? We also need to have some pass rush because the best teams that win, they have good pass rush. Yeah, and the stars that will hopefully be here when the Bears win their Super Bowl aren't here yet. Right. Like, those are the guys that, well, I mean, maybe you started this year with guys like Brisker and Gordon, but the Bears... Yeah, the the start. Yeah, like, the Bears are building out kind of their middle part of their roster right now. Like, guys like Gibson, guys like Robinson, guys like Armand Watts. Hopefully they can be contributing pieces, but the star players will be drafted in future years or they will get huge contracts from the Bears in free agency. You know, um, in, in in that vein... Dominique Robinson and uh, Braxton Jones. We just we we talked about both of them. Those are the kind of guys that can turn into solid gold for you. Yeah. And we we don't know it yet, but we could have solid gold bars in those two guys, right? Because um, they have done some things. Both of them. They've had some not so good things, but they've also had some really good things. So. What we get to find out is after after 16, 17 games, we get to find out exactly how well they did through an entire year and then what happens in the offseason. Yeah, so. exactly. I mean, that's 
a big jumping off point for a lot of young players is that off season between year one and year two. Because year one, you come to the NFL, you don't have anything, any idea what to expect. You've never played at that level of competition before. So after you get a full season of development, you meet with the coaches, you understand what they expect you to improve in the off season. And then hopefully in year two, it's all systems go. And I think in general for this team next year, it's going to be all systems go. I, I think you've seen enough to be confident that Fields will at least be the starting quarterback into next year. I really hope I mean, so. He, he's he's shown enough flashes for me to say that I want to see what it looks like when he's got better talent around him. And I think that next year he will have a lot better talent around him. I think that the Bears will invest heavily on the off, offensive side of the ball this offseason. And I'm excited to see what that looks like, especially if they have a have continuity in the coaching staff, right? Right. So I, I think that so far I'm encouraged, even though they are 3-4 and four and a couple of these games have been pretty ugly. I, th- I think there's been enough flashes that make you excited about where this thing is headed. Well, I'll tell you, I'll just say this uh, based on what you just said. Um, there's a lot of people saying that the Bears would, would win three games this year. We've already got right? there. And we've already got three, right? So, And I don't know about you, but I certainly believe that this team is capable of winning more. Yeah, I mean, if Darnell Mooney catches the freaking ball on the goal line... That was a win. Then they're they're four and three. Yeah. So you could coulda, woulda, shoulda all day long. Right. The fact is they've been in every game with the exception of the game up in Lambeau. And... They've lost some games that they probably could have won because of And critical. even the game at Lambeau, they did make a good comeback in the second half. A little bit. But, and I mean, and they've lost some games because of mistakes. And that's going to happen with a young team, is that young players are going to make young mistakes. Or, in this case, bad players are going to make bad mistakes too, right? So, when you've got games that are fumbled away by Amir Smith-Marset. You know, that's just part of a rebuilding team, and nobody ever said the Bears were going to win 10 games this year. Right. But you've seen enough things from the players that are important that, for me at least, it's encouraging. And with this win, I mean, it makes me excited to watch the next few games. I was worried that this was going to be a bit of a long losing streak after losing that game to Washington, so... For them to yeah, I was I was concerned about that too. Yeah, I was like, oh man, like it's not a whole lot of wins left on this schedule. <laughs> so for them to get that surprise one and to show that they had that type of performance in them, I, I think it it rejuvenated me a little bit, and I hope it rejuvenated the fan base as well because I, I think there are pieces on this team to be excited about. Yeah, uh, it, it was kind of fun watching Bill Belichick look like he had just eaten an entire lemon whole. <laughs> I, I want to get to that a little bit actually. I'm glad you brought that up because. If Matt Eberflus had done what Belichick did with the quarterbacks, oh, yeah. I'd be on this podcast saying that the Bears need to fire, <laughs> need to fire him. Like, almost maybe no other coach in the NFL could have gotten away with that. I, I mean, agree. What was that? It, it's like you just you just said it. it to me, that uh, that's encompassing right there. Bill Belichick is pretty much the only guy who get away with doing that. Like the fact that you throw Mac Jones out there when he's probably not 100%, and then you bench him after two series... Like what are you doing? Like, it was it was weird. What? And then um, this this surreal uh, thing of like Bailey Zappy's oh like little cult following gets super excited on TV and the 
The announcers are talking about it, and he comes out, and he throws two passes for 50 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. And it's suddenly looking like, oh, my God, see? Here we come, right? And then the Bears' defense was like, no, nah, we don't care. Well, yeah, and everybody's like, everybody's like, oh, my gosh, this is the next great thing in New England. I'm like, the two throws, they were like, one of the throw to Myers, he was wide open. <laughs> And he almost missed him. Like, that was a terrible throw. It was a terrible throw. And it was just a great catch by Myers that should have been an easy touchdown that wasn't because Zappi missed his guy. And the other <laughs> throw, he threw a jump ball into double coverage, and it was just a really great catch. So, like, it's it's just like, what are people watching here? And then Zappi was terrible in the second half. <laughs> he was terrible. So, so, like, I don't know what that was unless Jones got hurt. Well, on- actually, some of it was... His play and some of it was the defense lit it up yeah. in the second half. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but man, it was just a really, really weird situation that Belichick... It was, it was, it was bizarre. And, and we're going to see how it affects that team going forward because after the game, I mean, there were some Patriots players that even came out and were pretty critical of that, basically saying that... It sucked seeing Mac Jones get put in that position because you threw him out there and he wasn't ready to go. And then the fans—he had a good season last year. I like him. A lot of people don't, but I liked him coming out of Alabama. I mean, he was like, yeah, he was. He 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 quarterbacked like the most efficient offense ever in college football. Yeah, and last year he took the Patriots to the playoffs as a rookie. And And you know, one of the things that one of his uh, critiques uh, coming out. Was, well, you know, he had all these amazing players around him. Yeah, you know what? They absolutely demolished every team they played. So, you know, I mean, you know, what do you want? He was beating teams 50 to 0. He kept throwing five touchdowns in a game. Yeah, you know who else had a lot of awesome weapons around them in college? Every quarterback, right? Like, <laughs> every every quarterback that comes out of Bama or Clemson or LSU or Ohio or State, Georgia, like that's just how college football works, right? So it's a dumb criticism, and I don't know. We're gonna see. I mean, it sounds like Mac Jones is gonna start this week for them, and I am really interested to see what the ripple effects are of the way Belichick coached that game. Yeah, but that will be a topic for a Patriots podcast, which yeah. we are not. So. Uh, I'm curious what the Bears did in the power rankings here. I, and uh, it's time for the NFL power rankings. <laughs> I got to work on my uh, theme song there. I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> so, um, this week, uh, in addition to our updated rankings, we checked in with the NFL Nation reporters across the league and asked them to pick a season-defining stat. One that helps explain where each team sits so close to midseason. Good or bad, these stats help tell an important part of the team's performance. Okay, let's get to it. Number one, Buffalo Bills, of course. Uh, They're still hanging there at one, um, and they should be. Uh, Eagles, right behind them at number two. Sure. So, um, you know, a a top guy out of uh, the NFC Norse, of course. It's got to be the Vikings. It's got to be the Vikings, right? Um, but interestingly, even though they were on a bye, they dropped from four to five. <laughs> <laughs> they're fifth? Oh. Yeah, they're fifth. I guess they so are five and one. They're okay. five and one, right? Uh, so um, uh looks like Kevin O'Connell has stressed the importance of elevated play in key moments of the game and maximizing the sliver of, of the game through play calling and clock management. O'Connell has helped the Vikings lead the NFL through seven weeks 
with 59 points scored in the final four minutes before halftime. Mm. What? <laughs> okay, there we go. I just wasted at least eight or nine brain cells for you guys. <laughs> so, um, uh, let's see. Uh, rounding out uh, the top ten. Uh, we got the Dolphins at ten. And then uh, our next guys, of course, the cheese, the, the cheese whiz. Uh, they're 11? They're 16. Oh, okay. They fell from 14 to 16, so they're 16 at 3 and 4. Ugh. I think that's actually pretty high yeah, they, uh, because yeah. I think that team is terrible. Has anybody watched them? Yeah. Yeah. We'll, get the, we'll, we'll go around the division. So, let's see. Um, it says uh, 12 has not been able to complete passes downfield. He averaged just 3.2 air yards on his completions in Sunday's loss. Versus Washington. Before that, he entered the day with the second fewest air yards per completion in the NFL at 4.3. As impossible as Devontae Adams has been to replace, they also meet the, miss the deep threat in Marquez Valdez Gantley. Now, what's interesting about that is the, that air yards is usually for that particular player pretty high, mm-hmm. uh, usually like near the very top of the NFL. So that's a, that's a pretty big drop off right there. Okay, so where are they? The Bears? So they were like 30th last week, I think. Yep. They had to have jumped. Um, I'm going to guess they're 25th. Okay, let's see. Dun, 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 dun. They went from, uh, they were actually 29. (laughs) They went up one spot. Oh, okay. To 28. So there's 14. Can I guess who's behind them? Yes, go ahead. Panthers? Yes. Uh, Texans? Uh, Yes. Um, Saints? No. Okay. Uh, boy. Who else is in the NFC North? Oh, the Lions, yeah. Lions. <laughs> and then the other one is... Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh. Yes. Uh, so, uh, good old Mitch. Yeah. Uh, you Pickett, know. Pickett's back. So, Pickett, yeah. Pickett's back. He's going to he's gonna be the guy uh, there. So, Chicago Bears, number 28. Justin Fields has been under constant duress, which is exhibited by the Bears owning the league's worst Presser percentage, 46.2. God, think about how high that number is. And sack percentage, 13.5, entering Monday's game. Those numbers reflect a combination of deficiencies along the offensive line and protecting fields and the quarterback holding on to the ball too long, a league-high 3.03 seconds, which, you know, we've talked about on the show many times. Defenses have been using those things to their advantage to dial up more pressure on the second-year quarterback, no quarterback has been blitzed more than Fields this season. 39%. That's interesting because you don't really need to blitz to get pressure on him, but interesting enough. Actually, one other thing, and I said at the beginning of this podcast that I didn't have anything negative. I, I lied. Fields, <laughs> he's, he's got to stop fumbling. Yes. He, he fumbled the ball four times. Yes. They got, they got him all back, but he's got to clean that up. He's got to clean. He's got to work on that. And, uh, you know, that's uh, uh, holding on to the ball too long. It's certainly something that he still needs to work on. Um, I think that uh, part, though, is um, definitely the, the holding on to the ball part he has to do personally. Yeah. The not uh, the it, but he also has to work with. His offensive coordinator on that, yeah, for you sure. know, I mean, um, I, I one of the things we haven't talked a lot about is that Getsy is learning, right? And he he certainly has to work with his quarterback to make the best out of his strengths and try and cover up his weaknesses as best he can. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
just ball security in general, he, he's got to be better. But specifically the fumbles, the, the, you got to hold on to the ball, man. Yeah, the Texans, uh, you know, dead last. I mean, how many times have they been dead last? In the, <laughs> last couple they, of years. It, no, since their existence. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you could even even when they're good, you might as well just put them at the bottom. They're just terrible. It, it's a it's a franchise that no matter how many games they win, they're just never a threat to do anything. Yeah, like if they ever won a playoff game. <laughs> I, you know, I, they're they're just they're they're just a a, a really poor organization, uh, you know. So I it, it's not I would expect that they stay down there. Um, interestingly, I was looking at the draft, and I think I calculated before that's before uh, the game on Monday night that um, the Bears were twelfth or thirteenth. Yeah. Uh, picking 12th or 13th. So, Bears fans, uh, while it's fun to talk about what we'll do with our top five pick, don't count on it. Not if you keep winning games. Yeah. All right, do you want to go around the division quick? Yeah. Where do you want to start? Uh, let's let's talk about Bears. No. <laughs> I guess that's probably not the best place to start. Okay, let's start with Purple People Eaters. All right, we'll start with the first place team. Uh, they play the Cardinals this week. In Minneapolis, coming off their bye, they're a three-point favorite. I actually think the Cardinals are going to win. I, I'm, I'm really interested to see. Really? I'm interested to see, and I don't think the Cardinals are good at all. Like, I think Cliff Kingsbury's an idiot. But <laughs> I think the Vikings have been a little bit lucky recently. I think they have outplayed, or I think their record's a little bit better than how they've played. I think they've been very lucky. <laughs> and one thing, one thing that I'm going to find interesting here, I mean, Fields and the Bears showed how... Mobile quarterbacks can have success against this Vikings defense, so I'm really interested to see how Kyler Murray does this week, uh, and if Arizona is able to take anything away from how the Bears had success. Yeah, I'm not sure that'll happen because, like I said, Kingsbury's an idiot. Yeah, um, but I, I kind of think that the Cardinals are going to come up here and get a get a W this week. I hope you're right, but um, I'm going to get you there. Uh, the matchup predictor on ESPN. Uh, has Minnesota 58 and uh, Arizona 41. Um, I am going to follow along with that. They do have Minnesota by three and a half. I think that's probably, that right there is more alluding to what you were saying. I think it will be a very close game, probably a field goal game. Um, I think that Minnesota, when I was looking at their schedule, uh, they're really getting to play most of the teams that would have a chance to beat them. At home, yeah. I think nice. if they're playing this game in Arizona, you're right. Yeah, they win this game. Uh, I mean, they lose this game, but since they get, since they're getting them at home, I think that will be key for them, uh, and they uh, they they squeak out a victory. Yeah, I mean, the Cardinals are certainly not a team that typically wins a lot of games that they shouldn't. No, especially no. with Cliff. And, yeah. So okay, and then all right, I've been waiting for this one. Want to talk about the Packers? <laughs> you know, what, you know, what, you know what the Packers are. Done. Yes. <laughs> like, they're cooked. They are D-O-N-E done. And the reason I say that is, let me just read you the next five games they have to play. So they're going to the Bills this week. Then they're going to the Lions. Then Cowboys at Lambeau. Titans at Lambeau. In Philadelphia. Yeah, so it's going to be rough. That right there is a stretch of four playoff teams plus a road game in your division. And the Packers are already three and four. So optimistically, let's say they go three and two in that stretch. Yeah. They're six and six. 
And what have they done to suggest that they can go three and two in that stretch I just listed off? Yeah, it, it, and nothing. And uh, it, they, um, it, there, it was funny. Uh, so uh, when uh, my buddy Keith and I were watching the game uh, the other night, uh, a Packers fan sat down next to us. And he said, uh, you know, how are you guys enjoying the game? And yeah, we're enjoying it. It was, it was kind of near the beginning. And then uh, he was like, well, I bet on this game. He's like, I bet the under. And uh, I, I bet that uh, I took the points against the Bears. I didn't think they'd have any offense tonight. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, so he didn't do so well. No. Well, but, um, but anyway, he was, I, I, said, I, I commented to him, and I've, I've made this comment before. To me... 12, does, he does not look like he wants to play. Yeah, he doesn't. I mean, and he's calling out his teammates, calling out his coaches in the media. Yes. There's... And this guy was an old school uh, Pack fan, and he said, I completely agree with you. It's pretty incredible that Aaron Rodgers, for being as good as he has been there for so long, has somehow gotten his entire fan base to hate him. Yes. I mean, you got to be a real jackass to accomplish that. I mean, but we are talking about... Yeah, yeah. But, like, I mean... Yeah, I mean, he is a real jackass. I mean, they've, they've lost three in a row to the Giants, the Jets, and Washington. I mean, wow. And, I mean... They're gonna and they critique the Bears. Are you kidding? And and what's what's gonna happen to them this week up in Buffalo? I mean, they're yeah. gonna they're gonna get run so, out of the building. Uh, yeah. So uh, the matchup predictor has Buffalo eighty five percent versus fifteen percent for the for the Packers. I'd, I'd love to know like the spread is eleven. Yeah, it's I think the first time Rodgers has ever been a double digit underdog. So congratulations to him on that. <laughs> I mean, it's it's. I would love to know, like, Packers fans just dealing with all the nonsense over the last two years with Aaron Rodgers. Like, your payoff for all that has been just a complete one-and-done playoff dud at home last year to San Francisco. And then whatever this is. I, I hope that was worth it, but... Yeah, I, so, you know, I, I, I think that, um, you know, I think, you know, this is a runaway game. But at the same time... We know, Bears fans know better than anybody, you can never count 12 out. Oh no, I mean, trust me, the Bears fans are in absolutely no position to be dancing on anybody's grave, but you know what, even if we're not in position to, it sure is fun. It sure is fun. <laughs> Alright, and then, uh, the Lions. <laughs> oh, I mean, God, are they, why are they always terrible? They're just like the sad sack of the NFL. I know, it's like, and I mean, it's... They're just they just find ways to lose. I mean, they were in a position to beat. Cleveland too. Yeah, well, their quarterback that they're paying fifty million dollars <laughs> to is suspended. That's their problem. But Detroit, I mean, they were in a position to beat Dallas this week, and in with ten minutes left in the game, they've got first and goal on the one. If they score a touchdown, they're going to be winning the game in Dallas with 10 minutes to go, and they fumble the ball. On, it's, just, and, and it's not like it was some scrub doing this. This is Jamal Williams, who's been in the league forever. Like, it's just a loser franchise that finds stupid ways to lose games. And, you know, I, I, I know how you feel about Goff, and it's, 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 it's all kind of been played out because the Lions say what you want about them. When they're healthy, they've got, they've got elite skill position players. And at the beginning of the year, we said, when Goff is surrounded by a lot of players, he can be decent, but now all those guys are hurt, and he looks awful, <laughs> and he's throwing interceptions again, and I believe, yeah. if this, I believe for the Lions, the only thing interesting about them right now is, I think if the season ended today, they'd be picking first overall, yeah. so like, 
Don't you just kind of want to? Well, maybe the Texans. No, the Texans are, are, have two wins. I think. No, they only have one. Oh, but they got They got. They're tie. one four and one. But they've got the tie. Yeah. So, oh, oh yeah. So yeah. So they that would put them ahead. So the Lions, right? If you have those those really good skilled position players, and you've got St. Brown, and you've got Swift, and you've got Hawkinson, and you've got uh, I can't remember the kid's name, but the the player they drafted in the first round this year that has Aiden Hutchinson. No, no, no. Uh, the receiver from Bama. Oh. He he hasn't played because he's been hurt. Um, but Jameson. Jameson Williams. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. So if you've got all those players and you can go into next year and have your pick at quarterback, then that's what's going to happen. I mean, if if they're smart enough to tank, but with with it being the Lions, they're probably going to win a few more games and be picking like fifth. No, I I think they end up with the first pick. You think so? Yeah, it, it, yeah. one of the first three picks, I'll say. Okay. Um, and yeah, they're gonna they're they're gonna be there to take one of the you know one of the two top guys. Um, and we'll have to see, you know, what that does for them. Uh, they've been loading up on first round picks forever, uh, so you would think at some point they would they would get better. Um, <laughs> You're I did. Say, <laughs> they've been picking in the top five for twenty years. <laughs> um, I, you know, I maybe I was a little hard on golf. No, I wasn't. Jared Goff sucks. <laughs> so, he, certainly, he certainly has recently. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, the thing is, is uh, this team, uh, they, uh, I, you know, I guess the ownership is still all in on the coach. Uh, why? I, I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, um, he hasn't, you know, they, they it's not like they've uh, shown it through winning. So... Um, you know, at some point they'll, they'll, uh, they'll, they'll change things, I guess. Uh, again, uh, I, fortunately we're not fans of that team. That's all I got to say about that. So, yeah, I mean, you just talk about just a, a franchise that just can never get out of their own way. So, uh, the, um, uh, the, yeah, who, who do they play this week? It doesn't even matter. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, uh, the, the, um, so the Bears game now. Uh, so you know, um, I I like what uh, you know. I like what I see uh, from from the last game. But this team definitely strikes me as a game by game kind of team. Yeah. Um, you know, they're they're going to be playing one of the tougher teams uh, in the NFC, yeah. uh, who has really come on of late and um, has a very very stout defense. Yeah, the Cowboys, I mean, they're one of the more talented teams in the league. If, if they didn't have Mike McCarthy as their coach, I'd probably be betting them to come out of the NFC. Yeah. But McCarthy's an idiot. And I would he is. I would literally never bet him to do anything in the playoffs. <laughs> but, yeah, it's a, it's a really talented team. They've got Prescott back. They didn't really skip a beat with him out, which says a lot about the depth of that roster. Um, it's an offense that can beat you in a lot of different ways. They've got... Two really good running backs. They've got good wide receivers. They've got a good line. Defensively, I, I think this is a real challenge for the Bears because Micah Parsons is probably the best defensive player in football. Yeah, we we talked about Judon last week. Parsons is a better pass rusher than Judon, and he also has coverage ability. He's like, just a better player. He's just he's just a monster. So. If the Bears are going to have any shot, they've got to find a plan to at least slow him down a little bit because Parsons can just wreck the game. Yeah. And Fields and Getze, like Getze needs to be telling Fields, you have to know where he is on every snap. Yeah. And if you see him coming, you got to get rid of the ball because he'll sack you, he'll knock the ball out, he'll pick you off. So 
Matchup predictor has eighty six percent for Dallas. Yeah, I mean the, the the I think the Cowboys are a nine and a half point favorite. Yeah, nine and a half. So, yes, tough matchup, but like I said at the beginning of this, I mean, if the Bears can play like they played on Monday, they can hang with pretty much any team. It doesn't mean they're going to beat the Cowboys. I wouldn't be shocked if they get blown out, even just because the Cowboys are a lot better than them, but. And it's on the road. It'll be a really interesting test, though, to see if the Bears can go down there and put on a performance like they did in Foxborough. Yeah, I mean, I'd be, I'd be happy, uh, you know, I'd, I'd be happy just to see them, you know, play well. Yeah. Uh, it, it does, it, it doesn't have to be a win, um, but uh, definitely not what we saw versus the Commanders. Uh, certainly more of what we saw against the Patriots. Uh, and I think, I think that's certainly within, uh, within their ability. They, they, they just don't have it, Dallas compared to Chicago's roster is not, is not even in the same yeah. vicinity. Yeah. They're, they're, they're punching above their weight here. Yeah. But doesn't mean he can't win. Like I said, the lions could have been winning in Dallas in the fourth quarter last week. So. Well, in any, any, any given Sunday. Yeah, and Dak didn't necessarily look fully ready to go last week. If the Lions hadn't turned the ball over a million times, the Lions might have won that game. So yeah. it's a week-to-week league, and I'm actually excited to watch this game, which is not something I would have said two weeks ago. So. <laughs> and we finally get to watch a game again at noon. Yeah, and that's, you know what? Hey, at least that's one benefit of... There being low expectations because I'm pretty sure every game from here on out, noon at Sunday. So <laughs> great for me. I uh, will be at the bar over at Allery's. I hope if you're listening to this that you join us over there. Join us at Allery's. Have a beer and go Bears. Go Bears.